Hi everyone, welcome to the Sacred Musings podcast with me, Phil Saker. The aim of the game here is to try and understand what is happening in the world from a Christian perspective, to see what light the Bible can shed on these troubled times that we're going through. We've been focusing a lot on the lockdowns, but also on lots of other issues which are affecting society at the moment. I do hope that you enjoy it. Don't forget to subscribe if you like it. And you can also sign up on Telegram, t.me forward slash philsaker, and the link will be in the show notes, where there will also be links to the articles and things mentioned in the podcast, anything that's relevant. Now, on with the podcast. Hi everyone, welcome to the Sacred Musings podcast number 20. It is the 27th of January 22 as I'm recording this. That's right, I went for it. It's 22 from now on, not 2022. You heard it here first. Well, maybe you already do that, but I mentioned it on the podcast anyway last week. So um, I thought I'm going to go for it. Let's, let's, let's see if we can set a trend anyway. So, um, yeah, today we are thinking about the importance of the real and physical, uh, particularly when it comes to relationships and when it comes to church, thinking about, you know, is it possible uh, to do church online you know, via Zoom or something? Um, so that's what we're going to be thinking about today in the main section. This will also be a little bit shorter um, because as you may be able to hear I've got a bit of a sore throat today um, and I hope it doesn't come across too badly on the the, the audio. Uh, it's just been one of those weeks actually. There's just been illness in our family and you know the kids have been off school. Fortunately they're back today and um, also we got some news which um, I think we're gonna have to move. Um, and find a new house quite quite soon so um, that's that might be a bit of a disturbance over the, the next few weeks so um, it's all been happening in our house this week and um, yeah to top it all off the heating isn't working properly so there we go it's I'm a barrel of laughs today as you can imagine but um, we're gonna enjoy looking at um, enjoy looking at this together I won't have a biblical reflection at the end because there's quite a bit of the Bible in the main section um, but I am just going to start out with mentioning a couple of articles because I read two really good articles this um, this week the first one is called masking the truth by Dave Brennan. Uh, Dave Brennan, I um, know a little from uh, Brefos. I mean, I don't know him personally, but I know of him um, from uh, the organisation Brefos, who are a, a sort of Christian-based organisation um, campaigning against abortion and, and educating churches and so on um, about the issue of abortion. And uh, he's a really good guy. And uh, he's written an article on um, Dave Robertson's blog called Masking the Truth. And I'll post a link to it down below. But this is... Basically, the, the main um, thrust of it is to say why mask mandates in church violate the word of God. Why mask mandates in church violate the word of God. And I think it's well worth reading. I think it's excellent. It's quite comprehensive. And um, it sort of goes over similar ground, actually, to what we're looking at today. So I'll put the link to that down below. Do have a look at that. The second article which I read that um, I think you, you might be interested in, is uh, on Laura Dodsworth's um, Substack. And uh, Laura Dodsworth, you know, wrote uh, A State of Fear, which I reviewed uh, last year. And it's a really um, excellent book. And she started writing a Substack uh, blog. Um, and um, yeah, I think this is a really interesting one. I mean, she's not a, she's not a Christian, but I think she's, she's certainly got some sympathies. Um, and she... 
there's a really great quote from Solzhenitsyn, um, which says, If I were asked today to formulate as concisely as possible the main cause of the ruinous revolution that swallowed up some 60 million of our people, I could not put it more accurately than to repeat, men have forgotten God. That's why all this has happened. I think Solzhenitsyn was a, you know, there's a wisdom, a wise man there. You know, men have forgotten God. That's why this has happened. I don't think he was a Christian from some of the other things that he said. I, I haven't looked into his life in great detail. But certainly, I think on that, he, he was on the money. You know, men have forgotten God. And I think you could say that about uh, about lockdowns as well. And, you know, just generally forgetting what, what life is all about. So, um, yeah. Anyway, do have a look at those links down below in the description. Do let us know if you've read anything really helpful this week that you'd like to share. Do join in on the Telegram chat. Um, uh, it's great to see people enjoying. And thanks for your emails and everything. Um, do keep them coming. I do enjoy reading them. So, uh, yeah. What we're going to look at uh, today then is about the real and the virtual. So let's get straight on with that. Okay, I'll try and go through this fairly quickly because you probably don't want to be uh, listening to my voice for too long at the moment. Um, so why real is essential? And I put the subtitle there, is a Zoom relationship real enough? So why, um, why real is essential? So I just wanted to think about this question that could lockdown have happened without technology? Um, you know, the I think a, a large part of the, the reason why lockdown happened was because our government and you know, the powers that be thought, well, yes, OK, you can't meet together, but we've got Zoom, we've got FaceTime, we've got online shopping, we've got phone calls, we've got social media and so on. And all of those things were in place prior to 2020. They were growing trends uh, prior to 2020. So really, the lockdown has just been the the icing on the cake, if you like, of things that were already happening prior to 2020. So the question is then that does the technology really allow you to do that? Does the technology really help? So this is quoting from some research which is looking at uh, loneliness in young people. This is from an organisation in America, I think, called the uh, Newport Academy. Why is loneliness in young adults so prevalent today? Recent research shows that experiencing loneliness in your 20s is near the top of the list of challenges for both Generation Z and Millennials. Despite all the latest communication technologies, the relationship between loneliness and young people is growing stronger, as many young adults feel a growing sense of isolation. Although society is more connected than ever before by social media and mobile devices, today's young people lack the intimacy of face-to-face -face human interaction what they call IRL, in real life. As a result, there is a heightened level of isolation and young adults are looking for an understanding of how to overcome loneliness and depression. So uh, a greater amount of loneliness and depression, particularly in young adults, in uh, millennials, in uh, Generation Z, who are kind of now 20s and 30s, roughly, um, push, pushing into 40s, I think, for the millennials. Um, and look at these statistics here. This is 73% of Generation Z sometimes or always feel alone. So 
nearly three quarters of Generation Z sometimes or always feel alone. That's incredible, isn't it? You know, three quarters. And 71% of heavy social media users reported feelings of loneliness. So those who use social media heavily actually report feelings of loneliness. So this is, this is um, what, I, what I was trying to, to say. The point really is that the online stuff, the more you use it online, it, it doesn't actually seem to help with feeling lonely. It doesn't seem to, to satisfy our thirst for genuine relationships um, and for that, that physical contact. Um, so, yeah, I think technology is a bit like giving uh, giving someone who's thirsty salt water. You know, it doesn't actually quench the thirst. It will just make things worse. And, and I think part of the problem, reason perhaps may be because, you know, it gives you a facsimile it gives you a, um, a a mirage of an actual relationship not the real thing you know you get so close but but not actually there and that's the problem with it um so let's think then about what the bible says about why real stuff is important why physical um you know being there physically why real stuff is important um so the first, we're going to look at three three things, three aspects to this. The first aspect is creation. Uh, so this is what it says in Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. So God made the world in the beginning, and it was good. Now, sometimes you, and, and you sometimes get this impression from listening to Christians uh, speak, but it's not just you know Christians. It's it can come in any any shape or form. This idea that the world is a bad thing, that in order to be good, spiritual, holy, all of those kind of things, that what we need to do is get away from the the physical things of the world. So you know, don't have that nice dinner, don't have that nice drink, don't have that time with friends. You know, kind of it's the asceticism. I think I did a video about um, asceticism a few months ago. So don't do, don't do, don't do, just refrain, hold back. But actually God God made the world good and made us to enjoy the world so that the things of the world are good and we should be we should be enjoying them and, and the physical, you know, like enjoying, for example, you know, I mean I like the way like a, a nice polished bit of wood feels or a you know or a book, for example, the way that it feels, the way that it smells, you know. And and that's there's something good about that, you know, that, that God made the world so that we can enjoy our senses. Um, and he made it so that we can enjoy each other. So this is Genesis 2, 18. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. So it's not good, not good for the man to be alone. The first time that it was anything was described as not good in the Bible. And I think we looked at this a couple of weeks ago in the relationships um, video. It's not good for man to be alone, that we need each other. We need relationships. That's the, the whole, you know, the whole thing about being human, that, you know, we're not just human on our own. We're in relationship uh, with others. And then there's one more verse on this. Um, this is Genesis 2.25. Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. Um, now I included this because, again, I think 
you know, sometimes people think that the body itself is a bad thing and needs to be, you know, controlled or needs to be, um, you know, we need to get away from it. And, you know, and yeah, certainly we, there is sin in the world. You know, we need to be aware of our sinfulness. We need to be aware of temptation. Um, but that doesn't mean to say the body is a bad thing. And, you know, like, for example, touching someone or giving someone a hug, whatever, is a bad thing in itself. You know, that God made us good and that, you know, yes, there are right ways and wrong ways to, to express that as we know that there is sin. But, you know, we, um, I think it's it's important to remember where, how God made us to start with. And that's kind of what we need to be aiming for as Christians. Okay, so that's that's why real stuff is important, because God made it that way. Uh, the second uh, the second point about why real stuff is important is the incarnation. So those famous words from John's Gospel, John 1, 14. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Jesus came and dwelt among us. I wrote a post actually before Christmas a couple of years ago um, just saying, you know, Jesus did not socially distance. You know, Jesus didn't maintain his distance from us, but Jesus drew near to us. And I think that's something which is uh yeah, so significant, isn't it, about what it means that you know to, to, to dig the dignity of a human being. That Jesus didn't, you know, just give us a phone call or a text or something, but actually came as one of us. And this is what it says in, in Hebrews chapter two. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death. For this reason he had to be made like them, fully human in every way. Fully human in every way. So Jesus didn't stay at a distance from us, but he became fully human in, in every way. And I think that's something which... Uh, yeah, it's, it's such a significant thing, isn't it, about what it says about the, the dignity of the human being and of the human body. That Jesus didn't, you know, the Son of God, did not stay at a distance, but became human, became one of us. And then, um, Acts 1 verse 9, uh, after he had said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. Now, this is the ascension, and this is one of the, probably the, most overlooked aspects of Jesus's um, ministry life on earth being you know, ascending into heaven and uh, and yet I think this is a deeply significant moment because Jesus doesn't you know kind of vanish into thin air but he's he's taken up and, and then a cloud hides him so you know, his body still is there that's the point you know although they can't see it anymore and what this is saying is that Jesus has united humanity forever to God that you know there is that the bridge that was built in the incarnation is still there if you like and again this says something massive about the dignity of human beings and about the physical creation which is God has taken um, taken it to himself if you like huge implications for for, for what it means uh, for what it says about the physical world uh, okay, so that's the the incarnation. We going through this quite. This you could say reams and reams about this, and people have, um, but we're just going to go through this quite briefly. 
not least because I've got the sore throat. Part three, then, the third thing um, on this is the church. So um, God, God made a physical world. Jesus came as a physical man. What does what does the Bible say then about how the church should be? Which is, I guess, where the rubber starts to hit the road. So um, the first uh, first thing then is God gave us uh, sacraments. Uh, there are two sacraments which have been universally recognised through the church through all ages. That is baptism and communion. So Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11 verse 26, For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Those are words which we have as part of our uh, communion service at the church. And um, the thing is with baptism and with communion that you need to be physically present for them to happen. So in baptism, for example, you, you can't baptise someone at a distance. I mean, there was a... <laughs> um, I remember when I was a, a student, one of the um, my fellow students asked the um, the chaplain, university chaplain, could you baptise someone by pushing them off a boat, um, for example? Um, and, um, you know, there was a video on doing the rounds on social media at the start of the lockdown, I think, a socially distanced baptism where someone squirted them with water pistols or, you know, but really you can't do that. You know, it has to be, you have to be physically present to baptise, whether that's by sprinkling or by full immersion or however you do it. And it's the same with communion. In fact, communion particularly is supposed to be a, a coming together, that it is a, a meal. You know, it's, it's coming together to share a meal with each other and, you know, to celebrate uh, the, the death of the Lord Jesus and until he comes, remembering that he will return as well. So it, it is a coming together. It's a physical thing. You know, the water, the bread and the wine, they're physical things. They're something physical which God has given and so, you know, as Christians, we can't scorn the physical world because God has given us the physical world to as these signs to, um, you know, to, to, to remember him and to, you know, to as we become Christian, you're being baptized as we um, meet you know, regularly at the church, um, you know, celebrating the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ with communion. We need physical things. We need to be present. Um, and we are. Uh, commanded not to give up meeting together so this is hebrews chapter 10 verses 24 and 25 and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards loving good deeds not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching not giving up meeting together that's something which is really important that we need to keep meeting to encourage one another. And I mean, I just wonder, given everything that we've seen, whether uh, the author of Hebrews would have what he would have thought of meeting via Zoom or meeting online, you know, not actually being there physically present with each other, but via a screen. Um, I'm not sure that he would have really thought that that was actually fulfilling what he said, certainly not on a permanent basis anyway. Um, so how close is close then? If the physical is important, how close is is appropriate and right? 
And I think that the, the New Testament, again, envisions a kind of intimacy and closeness between Christians, which isn't there in a lot of churches. So um, one of the most overlooked commands, I think, in the New Testament is this. Greet one another with a holy kiss. It's interesting. This this comes up five times in the epistles in the New Testament, in the letters. Uh, four times in Paul. So uh, Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, 1 Thessalonians. And in Peter, 1 Peter 5.14. So this command is repeated several times. And yet it's... How often do you see people doing this? Now, what this command says to me is, yes, I know, you know, sometimes um, like on the continent, they greet each other with a kiss or or what have you. And we don't in British society don't tend to do that uh, as much. But I think what this is saying is we should have the kind of intimacy that you would have with close friends or family. I think that's what that's what this verse is trying to say. And, you know, I think when we don't have that, then um, it's it's noticeable there is something wrong. Um, the other day I was listening in, I just sort of happened to overhear a conversation and someone said that they once um, accidentally texted um, texted the vicar with a, you know, um, and, and put a, a kiss, you know, an exit at the end of the text message and they, they then um, texted and said, oh, sorry, I meant a holy kiss. Um, and I just thought, you know, do not our own words condemn us in circumstances like that because you know surely having that kind of warmth and love and intimacy within the church family it's just a perfectly normal natural and right thing to do and when it's not there then we are ignoring it seems to me parts of of the new testament okay so let's move on now to whether zoom church is even possible um, is it possible to do church online or you know via YouTube or Zoom or however uh, churches did it? Can you baptise someone via Zoom? Or can you take communion via Zoom? Or is it possible to eat together via Zoom? And I think the answer to all of those questions really is, is no, it's not. You know, you can't do those things. And those things are necessary for the church. You know, that you can't have church without baptism communion without that the fellowship churches were always intended to meet together in the full physical sense of the word now i think you know that that there's a, a question there about you know is it right for churches to stop meeting on a temporary basis for sure um but you know i think the it's the important thing to say is that zoom church is not proper church and that you know, to, to, for churches to be meeting online for months on end without meeting together, I think that's that's definitely wrong. But what about a slightly more difficult question? What about socially distanced church? So this is when you are together, but uh, you know your the chairs are distanced. You can't, you know, or you know shouldn't go closer than six feet or whatever it is. That um, wearing masks and so on. And again, I think that, you know, this impinges upon what it means to be church. Because although you are physically present, you can't be physically present in all of the ways that um, we are asked to as the, as the New Testament. And I think this is the problem, you know, that 
um, if if the New Testament asks for a kind of love and intimacy as you would be um, close to your you know, close friends or family, then if we're socially distanced, then we can't do that. And that's the problem. I think that, you know, it is actually making a rule of something which actually breaks apart uh, the, the fellowship, the body of Christ. Now, why did we get to this situation? Why is it that we have got to the, the, the position where I think, you know, socially distanced church is kind of acceptable or is, is even thinkable? And I think part of the problem is that we had become too virtual prior to 2020. So um, I mentioned this at the start, you know, how I think many of the trends which locked down, um, many of the trends which kind of um, continued in lockdown had already begun way before that, like social media, for example, and online shopping, all of that kind of thing. And I think our lives had, prior to 2020, become more and more virtual. And of course, you know, Christians and churches, although, you know, we do are, are meant to live in different ways. Of course, we, we are influenced by the world around us. And I think for a lot of churches, I mean, live stream church was a thing before uh, 2020. It just wasn't common. Um, so, you know, it, it was definitely, um, definitely a kind of a there in the church, even if it wasn't... Um, you know, major. And it, it just strikes me that, you know, there's a spectrum there. And I apologise for those of you on the um, on the, the audio podcast, but I've just put, a, you know, double arrows there, one going towards the virtual end. So, you know, the virtual where we're separate, where we're particularly via a screen, you know, and then on the other end, there's the real where we're, you know, close, physical, uh, kind of in, have that kind of intimacy. Uh, together and love together like family and uh, there is a spectrum there and of course we're all somewhere on that spectrum no one can be 100% virtual no one could be 100% you know kind of real um, if you like Um, that we're all somewhere on that spectrum and I think that what happened was if we'd have been close to the the real end of the spectrum I think we would have noticed a lot more when church and so on had to go online but because we were a bit further away, then it didn't really notice. So, for example, um, wearing masks. And I think in the conversations that I've had with people, it, it seems like a lot of people just can't see the problem with mask wearing. You know, it's like, yeah, it's not ideal. I don't like it. But it doesn't. it's not really an imposition. And similar, similar with social distancing. It's not really that much of an imposition. But... If you think about it, if we'd have been, you know, hugging one another, kissing one another, whatever, you know, but kind of being, having that that freedom and intimacy, which the New Testament, I think, encourages us and says that we should have as a church prior to 2020, then, you know, wearing a mask would have actually stopped something important and social distancing would have stopped something important that we were doing. But when, because that wasn't really present before, not not in, in very much depth, then being asked to stop doing it wasn't much of an imposition. Now, can you imagine if, as a, a parent 
or a grandparent, you were told not to be close to your children or your grandchildren, for example. Or maybe you think about brothers and sisters and so on. If, if someone told you not to be close to your family, to wear a mask with your family when you were with them. And, and I, I think most people, I know some people are a bit, you know, um, are very kind of um, hot on those restrictions, even with their family. But I think most people would see, actually, that's cold. You know, that's not the way that we do things as a family. And, and this is the thing, you know, it's uh, if I think as a church we've been behaving more as a family, we would have realised uh, why these restrictions were a problem a lot earlier. As it is, um, I think we were, you know, some way away from that to start with. So it hasn't felt like much of an imposition, but that was just because we weren't we weren't very close to the way things should have been before. So as we're um, coming towards the end then, I just wanted to finish with a um, one thing to say, you know, the problem with, with caution. Um, I've been saying about how there is a... Um, an, an attitude of caution uh, in in the church, the safety and so on. And you know, I do appreciate that some people will naturally want to be more cautious than others. And I do want to to make space in the church. I think we should make space for people who feel more vulnerable, who perhaps don't want to have that you know kind of closeness in the same way, uh, and so on. And, and that's fine. You know, everyone is is different and. You know, we need to make space for people who, who feel vulnerable, even if perhaps they that's not appropriate for them. Uh, it's not, sorry, not based on, on facts. Nonetheless, I think we need to make space for people who do feel vulnerable. At the same time, I think the question for me is not, is there space for people who feel vulnerable, but is it actually possible to have church in this kind of full sense that I've been trying to outline here? So do the rules whether they're written rules or unwritten ones, allow us to be together in the way that God intended? And I think that's a really important question, you know, is is that, yes, it's important to be cautious, but is caution actually preventing us from doing something which God wants us to do? You know, is it actually being overcautious and stopping? And I think th- this kind of gets to the problem with lockdowns. You know that, and the social distancing and so on. When you make something a rule, a universal rule, that's that actually stops things from happening. And um, I think it's this kind of safeguarding culture that you know it may stop, perhaps it might stop bad things from happening. I mean, I don't think the lockdowns do much, or the social distancing does much, if anything. Um, but uh, it, it certainly does stop anything good from happening. And that's the problem with it, you know, that we need to allow space, I think, for people who are cautious. But we need to, you know, we need to think carefully about whether we are allowed, whether we have, um, you know, the, the, the possibility of having church in the sense that I believe the New Testament calls us to have church, have that kind of family, love, intimacy uh, with one another. OK, so let's summarise now then. Um so the physical world is a good thing, is a blessing from God. And it is spiritual and godly to enjoy God's world. We know we don't have to get away from the physical world. Being Christian is not about getting away 
from the physical world, but it's about enjoying it. And it is about enjoying it in God's ways. Of course, it's possible to enjoy in the wrong way. There's a difference between having a nice glass of wine and getting drunk. Um, you know, one is absolutely good. Um, getting drunk is 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 not. Um, but at the same time, we do need to, to remember that the world is good. A second thing is that being physically together is an essential element of church. I think God made that clear when he gave us the sacraments, uh, when he you know said, do not stop meeting together, um, about you know what it's like to be a family as a church, all of those kind of things. That requires a physical presence. Uh, the third thing is that we should aim for the kind of intimacy you would have with close friends or family. And I put, you don't social distance with close friends or family. You know, so... Yeah, as, as I said a moment ago, if someone told you you have to socially distance with your children, grandchildren or with your brothers and sisters and so on, you would think, no, actually, I, I don't think that's right. I hope that you, you know, you would at least have that thought. And um, and I think that it should be like that with church. You know, the church is a family and, you know, we should behave as such and we should you know want to see people as much as you want to see, you know, your, your biological family or, or more, in fact. And the final thing is that we shouldn't allow caution to dictate what kind of relationships are appropriate. That I think, you know, that the New Testament should be our rule as to what is appropriate in church, not social distancing or masks or so on. That, you know, I think we should always, as a church, allow space to, for the church to be the church. And not to say, well, because of caution, we're going to forbid the church from being this way because we want to stop a virus. You know, I think, um, you know, God says, actually, you know, this is how I want the church to be. And we, we need to aim for that. Even if some people are cautious, we need to allow room for them, I think. But we need to aim for and, and permit the kind of relationships, the kind of church, the kind of intimacy which, uh, which we are called to as the church. So that's what I have to say about that. Do let me know and engage in the comments below or on a Telegram. Um, and uh, yeah, let's just finish with a closing prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for uh, the gift of your world. And we thank you for the gift of uh, friendships, of relationships, of family, of your church. And we pray that you would help us to uh, know what it means to live as your people to live as your church and to enjoy the love and warmth and intimacy of just being together in the way that you would have us be together. We pray that you would help us to think through what that means in our own context and to be able to uh, to build and develop uh, the kind of loving friendships that you want us to have in our, uh, the church family that you've given to us, wherever that may be. Uh, I just pray for everyone who's uh, watching or listening to the podcast today and pray for your blessing upon each one and I pray that you would keep us safe over this coming week and I pray for your blessing on um, on each of us and those we love and I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well thank you so much everyone for joining me today and hopefully next week my sore throat will be gone um, but uh, yeah do keep on with the engagement it's um, great to have a little um, community of people who are engaging and um, if you'd like to express your appreciation there is a buy me a coffee link um, down below um, and uh, yeah I really do um, 
thank you so much for everyone who's um, who's contributed um, via that. Um, and uh, yeah, the links to all of the other stuff uh, that I mentioned, Telegram and um, the podcast or YouTube, whichever one you're on, the opposite will be down below as well. So yeah, thanks so much, everyone. And I look forward to seeing you again uh, next week. If you have any suggestions of what you'd like me to look at, do let me know. Um, oh yeah, I have set up an email address as well. I just want to say this, it's sacredmusingspod at gmail.com sacredmusingspod at gmail.com so you can email me through there um, and that will hopefully um, get through to my email address so yeah thanks so much everyone god bless and i'll see you again soon